Welcome to Truth Behind Travel Podcast. I'm Dolores Semeraro, and this is my weekly show where tourism, travel, and hospitality industry professionals meet to discuss and share marketing strategies as they reshape the future of travel. If you want to learn the truth directly from the leaders and the doers of this industry, you are in the right place. Before you dive into today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And while you're on it, go on and follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at Truth Behind Travel Podcast. Welcome to episode 56 of Truth Behind Travel Podcast. Today, I'm having a one-on-one conversation with you on sustainability overwhelm. Powering up sustainability choices of our desired customers? Who spends more on sustainability options and sustainable holidays? And how personality-based strategies are now the key to a successful marriage between sustainable travelers and the tourism industry today? So it's a one-on-one conversation rich of information, facts, and insights last but not least, at the end of the episode today, I'm gifting you a very special opportunity to join me at the Tourism Innovation Summit in Sevilla this coming November, where I will be opening the Hospitality Forum with a keynote dedicated to sustainability and hospitality today. So enjoy the episode. In the previous episode dedicated to sustainability champions, strategies and best practices in Europe, we featured Julia Nikolika from the European Travel Commission. We mentioned that a staggering 7 out of 10 travelers feels overwhelmed when considering how to embrace being a sustainable traveler. So it's all going back to a very simple question. Where to start? How does this sustainability overwhelm come into play when it comes to sustainable travel choices, when it comes to making these choices. On this podcast, I have developed a very distinct B2B voice, a place where tourism industry operators could come back to pick up new strategies, inspirations, knowledge. So the intention today on this episode is not to write down 10 simple ways to start being a sustainable traveler or to start being a sustainable hotel so that you get the sustainable travelers to you. Because truth be told, it is simply not possible to be a sustainable traveler if we, as tourism industry operators, authorities and policymakers, don't do our part. For example, very simple one, how can a sustainable traveler carry a refillable water bottle around and successfully do so, meaning not buying bottled water and being able to refill their water wherever it's possible, if the destination, whether it's rural or urban, doesn't provide drinkable water fountains for the purpose? Or another one. How can a sustainable traveler reduce its carbon footprint on the planet if the options of means of transport available at this destination of choice aren't even remotely related to anything eco or green or renewable? And last but not least, how can a sustainable traveler support 
local, you know, buying local with shopping money that circulates within the community at the destination of choice, if local crafts that are very often sold on in these shops are not locally produced and perhaps even imported from Southeast Asian countries. This conversation takes me to a point of reflections that this never-ending game of blame, it's here to stay. And we don't want that. Whose responsibility is to implement those practices to give travelers a choice to do the right thing? Or perhaps even in the case of the bottled water, no choice is the best choice. Meaning, if there are no plastic bottles to buy, then a traveler would have no choice but start carrying its own bottle, right? So it's all about training and education. That's what we're told. That's what we share which is not something people pick up from a brochure or a leaflet, but they learn it by doing. Do we even have to get to this point to turn page in the tourism industry and truly embrace sustainability at its best? Let's look into transportations, specifically the one that everybody's pointing fingers at, the aviation industry. For example, EasyJet. The airline company recently went out with a big, loud press release headline saying that it was stopping offsetting carbon emissions. Oh, and everybody went, what? You're stopping offsetting carbon emissions? Why? And then the company went on explaining that they were simply implementing a strategy that will enable them to reach net zero by 2050 by investing in cleaner aircrafts optimizing flight descents, meaning landing, to save fuel, and introducing hydrogen-powered planes. It all sounds very big and wowy. But at the end of the day, EasyJet is not the only company going out with these headlines to fly net zero by 2050. In the last AGM of the IATA members in Boston, one of the parameters for airline to comply was the use of SAF, SAF, Sustainable Aviation Fuel, which anyway costs two to four times just as much as normal jet fuel. So a lot of companies have joined in, of course, within the, you know, to comply with the ultimate goals of the last AG, the latest AGM of IATA. Um, we've had Air India, Air Asia, Vistara, everybody started to sign MOU for using SAF, the Sustainable Aviation Fuel, or SAF as well, including, for example, Ryanair, who signed an MOU for eight years of SAF supplying starting from 2023. And last but not least, the Lufthansa group as well. Lufthansa specifically had also implemented a so-called green fares on the flights from the Scandinavian countries to Europe. For example, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, on all group airlines have an option to choose a green fare alongside with a normal fare. So economy, economy green. It is true that the very encouraging results that came out of this first range of data were highly dependent on the fact that Scandinavian travelers are more keen to take specific actions when it comes to partaking green initiatives. But nonetheless, 
we can expect to see these green fares materializing on other flights as well of Lufthansa and other airlines. Now, what exactly is a green fare? A green fare is a additional fare option on the online booking screen, which directly appears in the flight selections and that uses a split of 80% into carbon offset projects and 20% into SAF. Remember early on when I said that it's about giving a choice to be a sustainable traveler? Okay, so when booking these flights, the option of adding the green fare is right in the middle of the screen. It's not some sidelines at the end of the ticket purchase process. This is what I'm talking about. Once the customer goes through with the booking process, a range of options appears. So we have the traditional choices of economy, economy classic, and now economy green. And one word, to me, this is transparency. The explanation is there. And the choice is given. But the question I have is, is it taken? Now let's look at the results. The airline had seen a preliminary conversion rate of nearly 7%, which is much higher than the initially forecasted 5%, which is pretty impressive. If you were given a choice to partake a green initiative on the basis of whether you're spending more because of it, would you take it? Where is the pain point of non-return in which a consumer says, "Uh uh-uh, not spending that money, give me the normal choice? My question is, why does a sustainable choice given to travelers have to be money-driven and not instead effect-driven? For example, so we have three scenarios that I want to share with you in which every scenario has a different choice which is given or not given. Let's look at it. Scenario number one. A hotel company can add to its booking process a window in which a fee of let's say XYZ number of dollars per night is called a voluntary contribution that the customer makes to support green initiatives, green or social initiatives, right, of the company then the customer considers the final amount of that voluntary contribution and what is the impact of that voluntary contribution on the total holiday budget. And then the customer takes his decision. Now, that's a money-driven choice, just money. Scenario number two, a hotel company can add to its booking process a window where the effective results of their green and social initiatives are outlined and the impact explained, basically providing plenty of information of what can be achieved or is being achieved by that company with their initiatives that are sustained by a contribution from the customers. Now, the contribution, then it's encouraged to continue achieving these results. The customer looks at the results. It's driven by an emotional choice, wants to be part of that result and makes his decision. I mean, who wants to be the bad guy, right? Because in that moment, that is not a money-driven choice. It's an ethic-driven choice. Scenario number three. 
A hotel company increases the rates of 20% because the green fare was added as a must-have. So now everything, therefore, gets more expensive. Here, the choice is taken away from the customer. It is, in fact, a decision that actually is taken for them by the company. The average consumer, when prompted the final question on whether she or he would voluntarily add a fee uh, of, a, of the final budget, which is related to a green initiative that might have been or will be taken by the company, is likely to say no when it affects directly the budget. So if this is a normal behavior, when, when something adds on to our budget, when especially at times when you know, money for something like going on holidays, it's not a necessary, it's not a necessary expenditure. So people are really looking closely into what use are they doing of, what use are they making of their money? How come in the latest reports from Booking.com, we read instead that more than 70% of travelers says that they are willing to spend more if a sustainable practice is in place or implemented at their destination of choice. So if a sustainable practice is implemented at a hotel, a destination, a location or a business, what does exactly mean to spend more? If 70% of travelers are willing to spend more, more on what exactly? So let's have a look at, for example, what is it that costs more in sustainable practices, particularly at the hospitality level, that has an impact on that final budget and that final decision that travelers are taking today and they are sharing on one side that they are willing to spend more, but then let's look at it, what is it that they spend more on? Producing organically needs more time different utilizations of resources, costly processes that have a direct impact on the final price of any goods. Think of the food, for example, served in hotels and resorts today, where the sourcing of local goods might not always be possible to offset the cost of shipping and supporting direct locally and support directly the local economy in which the business is operated. Then, sourcing of organic product often translates into more expensive food offerings due to the cost of the supply chain. Think of the in-room experience. Up to not long ago, entering a typical hotel room bathroom was like entering a single-use plastic kingdom. <laughs> Truly. Today, all major global chains of hotels and resorts have or are in the process of replacing single-use plastic items from their hotel rooms with more sustainable options. The question is, is this so-called sustainable option financially viable? What's the impact of these changes on the hotel rates at the end of the day? If travelers are more willing to stay in a hotel or an establishment that engages in sustainability practices, are they also willing to pay more? The final price range of a holiday is a key driver for the final decision. We know. So how do we communicate the added value instead of the added cost of choosing a sustainable options when it comes to tourism? 
Let me repeat this. How do we communicate the added value instead of the added cost of choosing a sustainable options when it comes to tourism? The value of something might represent something different for each person. The perception of what value is changes based on who we are, what moment in life we're in, how we live, where we live. Imagine a circular chain of cause and effects with your most desired client at the center of it. Who's that person? How does that person live, love, laugh, talk, believe, socialize, care? What is that person's personality? A marketing strategy that is structured according to personality-based associations instead of social status, for example, marriage, whether you're married, you're single, with kids, with no kids, with you're tired or your student and so on, is able to give you today a much clearer and accurate idea of who your desired customer is. It is through understanding how the personality is expressed that we can best tune in our marketing strategy to these frequencies and be there where it matters to them, not with our product, but with our ethos, enabling them to relate to us, to our core values, and therefore becoming their go-to brand of choice. More on personality-based marketing strategies will be shared during my upcoming opening keynote at the Hospitality Forum in TIS 2022, the Tourism Innovation Summit taking place in Seville, in Spain, this coming November, the 2nd to the 4th. If you're keen to join the summit and learn more about how innovation and tourism go side by side today, you're in for a treat. Only for my podcast listeners, I'm adding a special code that you can retrieve from the show notes of this episode. And by using this special code, you can have unlimited 50% discount on either a silver pass to the show or a golden pass. So if you're keen to join TIS 2022, I'm giving you a choice. Head over to the show notes and retrieve your super special discount code now. And if you do that, let me know because I would love to meet you at this. Thank you for joining me today on Truth Behind Travel Podcast, a one-on-one episode between me and you there, in which we talked about the truth behind sustainable choices of today's travelers and tourism operators as well. How did this episode resonate with you? Is your marketing strategy personality-based? I'd love to hear from you. So never forget, you can always share a review on Apple Podcasts or send me a direct message. It's all good, as long as we communicate. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, be well and keep traveling.